Hi, welcome to Forbes India's The Startup Fridays podcast. I'm Hari Arakali, tech editor at Forbes India. In these podcasts, we'll bring you conversations with entrepreneurs who are finding opportunities in solving a variety of problems in multiple areas. We will also talk to investors from venture capital companies and other folks who are playing a significant role in India's maturing startup scene. You can find a new episode every Friday evening. You can also find us live on Instagram every Friday morning. Stay safe and happy listening. Our guest uh, today is uh, Ashutosh Gant, the co-founder and CEO of 8fold.ai. It's a company with the mission of helping everyone find their right career. Ashutosh's research in machine learning has been cited over 6,000 times. He holds 50 plus patents, has 35 plus peer-reviewed research publications to his credit. He's a winner of the Outstanding PhD Thesis Award from the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign for his PhD thesis in machine learning. He's also co-author of a book titled What's Next for You? The Eightfold Path to Transforming the Way We Hire and Manage Talent. Previously, he co-founded another successful Silicon Valley company called Bloomreach, where he was CTO before starting Eightfold.ai. Eightfold is currently backed by investors, including SoftBank's Vision Fund 2, General Catalyst, Capital One Ventures, Foundation Capital, IVP, and Lightspeed Venture Partners. Ashutosh, fantastic to be able to make time for this. Uh, welcome to this conversation. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. So, so for starters, uh, for people who are not familiar with your work, uh, and I certainly put myself in the category of being not very familiar with Eightfold, uh, tell us a bit about how you and Varun uh, started this company. What is the problem that attracted you and uh, why was it interesting? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, um, I'm really excited to be here today. Thank you for the invitation. And my background is that I'm a machine learning PhD from Illinois Mana Champaign. And after spending some years at IBM Research and Google Research, started a company, Bloomreach. And over time, started thinking about like what's next for me and wanted to do something that will be more fundamental to our society, will have a good positive impact. And after spending some time in education and healthcare space, what I realized is that actually employment is the most fundamental thing in our society. If we can do anything to improve employment, it will go a long way. Second thing is that it is ultimately a data problem. Really, how do we give guidance to other people, right? When your niece, nephew, friend come and ask you for advice, we look at the data of 5, 10, 20, 50, the people that we know personally, what career paths they have taken. And based on that, we do the recommendation. So the idea was that can we, instead of looking at the data of 50 people, can we learn from the data of each and every person on this planet? And third is the amount of money that gets spent on the talent space is actually very, very large. Some of the, some of the large companies are spending billions of dollars per year to hire and manage talent. And still the outcomes are very poor. So a large socially impactful problem, big market, te- uh, high technical problem is what led us to start Hitfold. Today, what we have done is we have built a talent intelligence platform that is being used by leading enterprises across the globe to hire, manage, grow a diverse workforce. Hmm. What, what was uh, the first sort of commercial minimum viable product kind of uh, you know, uh, solution that you built? You know, absolutely. As we started looking at it, right? So what we did was we wanted to do something that we can take to the market quickly first. 
uh, a small team can build, but it still add a lot of value to our customers, right? So the very first minimal viable product that we had was around sourcing people. So as a place where you can quickly go, understand what a job is, create a job requirements in a very structured fashion, and match each and every person to that. So anytime you come across now a resume, system will score the person against your job requirements and help you better understand if this person is a good fit for your requirement or not. So it was that very specific use case of matching people to the job that was our first minimal viable product. Who was your first customer, if you can talk about that? And uh, how did they use it? What were some of the early findings? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that's a very interesting story because prior to starting Eightfold, I was looking at health- healthcare space. And the primary buyer of healthcare space is HR, Dynafits Department. So one of the investors connected me to an individual named David Windley who used to be the CHRO of Yahoo back in the days. So I met him at a Starbucks, talked for after 15 minutes of conversation. He was, I'm sure this is all good, but if you ever want to do something in talent space, then come and talk to me. So, and he has a recruitment outsourcing firm. So he actually became my first customer of this MVP. And even today, he's a customer and over time, as he used the product, he got so excited that he came in and also invested the money in the company. So now he's an investor, guide, friend, and also a customer of Eightfold. Hmm. What, what were some of your uh, early findings as you started building this uh, product? Uh, you had an idea of how this data problem should be solved. You, you built a product. As people actually started using it in the real world, what were some of the early findings? I think uh, numerous ones, especially given our market. I would say one thing in HR space is that you really need a platform as a solution versus a point solution. Because talent is not a problem of scheduling or interview feedback or sourcing or matching or any of those things. Ultimately, as an enterprise, all you care about is finding people and having them join you, right? End-to-end process. And as an individual, you're looking for a job. And everything else is a means to that end, right? So what very quickly as we, people started using it, we realized that we really need to extend our approach to a platform versus a point solution. That's one. And the second interesting, which might be very relevant for your audiences, is think about pricing. How you're pricing your product will shape the company in the future. And it is as critical as the market and the product. So we did experiment with few different pricing methodologies, including usage-based pricing, performance-based pricing, subscription pricing, and realize that you want to come up with a pricing that is aligned with customer's interest, but the, at the same time that reduces friction both in selling and adoption and usage. So we ended up going with subscription pricing as a result. Hmm. And uh, you you started out uh, telling us that how now it was used by very large enterprises and so on. Give us a feel for what Eightfold has really evolved into today. So today, yeah, today it is, you can say, a single talent platform for all talent. We are many, some of the largest companies like Fortune 50 companies across the globe are doing a rollout in 20 plus countries individually. So a large company may do that. And they are going to use us to both attract talent, both for full-time jobs and contract jobs. Then as these people apply, manage the entire process on Eightfold. Once they join, provide these employees a career hub to manage their career within the company, combined with learning, apprenticeship, internship, 
projects, mentorship, coaching, learning, and so on, and a CRM to engage the people when they are outside. Mm. So that is the main offering that we have that many, most of these people are using. And we have a few more offerings as well. Yeah. What is this flagship uh, platform called today? Uh, Talent intelligence platform. Who are the primary users? Is it an organization, the HR department which uses it, or can individuals also target in some way? So there are four personas that we target. One is the recruiters on the talent acquisition side who are trying to hire people in the company. Hiring managers who are involved in that process of hiring. HR leaders on the workforce analytics to better understand the talent inside the company and outside and the talent planning purposes. And the fourth primary persona is employees in a company. So for example, you as a Forbes India employee, understanding what other opportunities exist within the company, what are the learning opportunities, who can be a coach and mentor or who you can coach and mentor. Uh, so providing a career path to each and every employee in the company. So the, we serve all these four personas. Mm. And, and uh, what is the significance of the name that you've chosen for the company, Eightfold? What is that about? It comes from the Eightfold path to Nirvana, the Buddhist philosophy. Mm. And key thing is the way I look at it, our career at some level is an answer to why we are here, to do something big, to contribute back to our society. And in that process, we have to learn, unlearn, keep growing, keep executing. So that is what led us to pick a name like Gatefold. Hmm. Uh, explain a little bit more the, the underlying technology uh, of the Gatefold platform. Give us a sense of how this technology works. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great question. And at the heart of it, right, it's really an AI system which is trying to predict the next career move for each person. So to put it in a very layman terms, right, for each person, we look at the people who are two years ahead of that person in their career. So for example, when you are graduating from college, right, we look at our seniors and see what they are doing today. And we use that to decide which career path we want to be on. So when I was at IIT, many of the people were either going doing MBA, going to IIMs, or civil service preparation, or going outside for GR, giving GRE, right? So I looked at my seniors and said that, okay, yeah, I want to follow in the first steps of these people. So maybe these are the things I should do. Now, interestingly, what happens in the real world? While no two people have had the same journey, but most people have shared journeys. We cross paths with each other. We come like two people working in the same company for a period, then they may go different paths, right? So for each person, what we do through AI is look at who are people who are two years ahead of this person, three years ahead of this person, and use that to say that this person can do these other things that the person who's ahead of them is doing today. And that tells us the learnability of this person. These are things this person can acquire quickly as a skill set. And once we understand that on one side, on the other side, we look at each role, each job in the world and understand who are the people who are performing these jobs today and use that to better understand what it takes to do this job. And once we understand the people who are performing these jobs and we understand the career path of each person, we are able to match the two. And this helps us build a prediction model with an accuracy of more than 90% to better understand the career path of each person. Tell us about uh, where the data comes from. I mean, over the years, over the years how did you manage to find the data uh, for this? Absolutely. You know, the interesting thing is that there are less than 8 billion people on this planet. There are less than 2 billion knowledge workers in the world. 
I live in Bay Area, and there are less than two million professionals in Bay Area. So it's a very small contained data set. There are less than five million unique jobs in the world. That's it. You in India, whether it's Airtel or Reliance, Jio or Vodafone, right? Ultimately, it's the same kind of people that all these companies are looking for, and it's the same sort of people who are applying to these companies, going through the interview process. Some are getting hired, some are not getting hired, some are responding, some are not responding, right? A company with ten thousand employees, just ten thousand employees, over the years has interviewed or screened more than a million people, and that data is sitting in the databases, and they are not doing anything with that data today. So when we go and work with enterprises, we get access to each and every person they have ever engaged with their data, interview data, outcome data. So company X interviewed John Doe. What happened in that process? On what skills John Doe performed well? On what skills John Doe didn't perform well? We take all that data across all our customer base globally and use that to build these models. And as we are going and working with large, larger and larger enterprises, we are getting more and more data in that process. Give us a couple of uh, examples uh, that can illustrate how companies which are using Eightfold's talent intelligence platform uh, benefit by getting better candidates and also by retaining them longer. So I say that there are three or four benefits: quality of talent, time to hire, cost of hiring, then diversity of talent, and finally, attrition rate. One of the large financial institutions, as an example, through us, what they are able to do is, is increase internal mobility by more than 20%. 20% more people are switching jobs internally. And every time a person switches a job internally, effectively the attrition goes by the same amount because this person otherwise would have taken a job outside. So their attrition has gone down by more than 15% as a result of that. Uh, one of the large semiconductor company. They are able to reduce their time to hire by forty percent because now instead of when you apply for a job and you wait for two weeks before someone looks at your resume, your resume gets picked up instantly. In those two weeks' time, just get shaved off from your time to hire. Third company, because with the way we have powered their career website, and what they also do is they mask all the resumes before screening. So that the recruiters won't know the name, gender, race, ethnicity, age of the candidate. The number of female applicants have gone up by more than two x. So more than two x female applicants. So diversity has improved dramatically for them. Or fourth one is that very interesting thing is that in many companies, for most roles, not the roles like data science where the talent is in huge shortage, right? Typically, for a single role, when a job opens, hundred people will apply. And they used to look at only the first ten candidates, interview them, and pick one from that. Now, through Eightfold, instead of looking at the first ten, they are able to look at the top ten people. And as a result, they have found that the, the quality of the talent that is coming through Eightfold is much much higher. What are some of the uh, ways uh, this this platform can help companies uh, capture you know all this uh, informal wisdom, if you want to put it that way? That goes around, you know, the water cooler conversations and so on. Uh, tacit wisdom, that folks call it. I think what it does is two things, right? One, it it captures that, but it also reduces the bias. So many of that wisdom is actually creating a bias as well. Oh, I don't want to hire people who are more than fifty years old, or I don't want to hire people who are outside these two colleges, right? I'm going to only hire people who are from these specific niche schools. 
or if I'm looking for a software engineer, I will never hire someone who's not a computer science major, right? Mm-hmm. So through us, those biases have gone down. That's one. On the other hand, at the same time, what system is able to do is learn from the data. So look at each and every person you have hired who's performing well. And that wisdom was sitting in the mind of hiring manager. Now system is able to capture that and apply it to matching problem of each and every candidate. Mm. So people, for example, right in our company, let's say people with a startup experience have done better. So system will learn that the people who either have a startup experience or who have worked in a big company in a startup setting, they are likely going to perform better. And that which was sitting as a test wisdom is now actually live, recorded, and also uniformly presented to everyone. Mm. So we are able to do that. Mm. When you announced your latest round of funding, one of the things you talked about is the need for uh, reskilling, personalized reskilling and upskilling. Can you talk about that and how your platform helps? The, the thing is, actually, reskilling has become a very hot topic these days, right? Everyone is talking about it. So, but more, an interesting data point. I graduated from ID Delhi in 97. You know, of all the people we graduated, out of 320 people or so from Ali Delhi that year, 50 were in computer science, other 270 were not in computer science. Out of those 270 people, probably 260 are doing software engineering today. So that reskilling happened for them, right? I mean, they gave up everything they had learned and they learned the new things. The world we are living in today is the world where whatever we know today will be less than half as valuable just in less than five years. So whatever we know today will be updated. Instagram was not there five, seven years back. And it's already getting, I mean, now there are seven other platforms that have come up right since then. So we live in a world where skills come and go faster than one could even imagine. And in that world, you have to keep learning and growing. And the way this platform helps is that now, instead of looking for the people who have done the work, one, you can identify the potential of each person and hire the people who can do the work, who can learn quickly. That's one part. Second part is as part of the career pathing for each employee, system is able to guide them that what are the new skills that you should learn? How can you acquire the skills that are more in demand and you can learn quickly versus keep doing what you have been doing forever. So both by guiding the employees and enterprises, we are really able to make a big impact on reskilling within an enterprise. Have any governments tried to use your platform? Because it occurs to me that uh, at national level, countries like India, there is such a massive crisis of jobs. Uh, can they build the demographics, heat maps of where people need jobs, what kind of skills? What's your experience? So that's a great question. And I will have two, per- two perspectives on that. First, state of Indiana in the US and state of New York are our customers. Where what they are doing is that anyone who is filing for unemployment benefit can now use AIDFUL to discover other jobs in the state. So that is already working. And really that is helping us forward our mission of enabling the right career, reducing unemployment, right? The second part is, actually when you think of states, right, or governments, one thing they try to do is to attract industries in their location. They will give them free land, cheaper land, or reduce give tax or some tax benefit and so on. On the other hand, like as it would, when we were thinking where should we open our office in India, the primary factor was where the talent is. Paying 10% tax more or less is not going to make us or break us. 
we want to go where the talent is right and unfortunately today governments have not focused on talent they have just focused on old ways of doing things since the good old days of manufacturing yes land mattered electricity mattered water supply mattered right in today's time those things are gone in fortune 500 companies 90% of the asset is actually intangible which is talent so instead of that if government is start focusing and presenting that let me tell you company x that this is the kind of talent i have in my location so come and set up your presence here everything will change so i'm super excited to work with governments give us a sense of uh, the scale of operations that you've for you did mention 20 plus countries cumulatively how many people have been touched by it for today yeah so we have users in 110 countries using us in 15 plus languages the number of people we have tested it is in millions uh we have around 100 plus customers most of those are global fortune 500 companies uh as of today we have 350 employees and that number went from roughly 200 people at the beginning of this year to roughly 500 people by the end of this year so very fast growth going on over there i want to ask you uh, a few questions uh, in the in the context of you being an expert in ai and machine learning so we step back uh, in your mind what are some of the most important uh, advances in ai that we should pay attention to today i think the key thing is that over last 10 years what has happened is one is there's a lot of advancement in algorithms right in the deep neural networks and people should pay a lot of attention to that stuff second is the scale at which one can do compute has changed and that enables us to process large amounts of data learned quickly so that's the second thing the google is doing tpus and so on now and this uh gpt3 but other things right have also started coming out right and third is the data that is available on which you can learn these things mm. is larger than ever so those are the main things i would pay a lot of attention to mm. yeah uh, that you mentioned gpt3 and but uh, there is also on the flip side this uh, wally uh, that because some of these platforms are being considered as foundational by experts like you uh, as more people build on it the biases get carried downstream what do we do about that absolutely no that that's a great point right and and i didn't want to say that treat those as foundational <clears throat> what i meant is that they show the art of possibility <clears throat> what is doable at what scale it is doable right and in <clears throat> fact that is the biggest thing to watch out for that if you are not you are using the generic model and applying everywhere <clears throat> or the data set that this model is trained on is not representative of the problem that you are trying to solve then we will create biases so in fact as a because of that in our company what we do is we focus a lot on building our own models and training them on a global data set to ensure that our data is indeed representative of the problem that population that for which whom we are solving this problem so for example if you are working in india we will make sure that we have enough representation from different parts of the country different sections over there where it's been a working year of we have to make sure that we have good representation over there and so don't just pick gpt3 or bert and blindly apply that use that to better understand the art of possibility but you need to have your own expertise in house to see how you can build these models and scale them to follow up on uh, your point about building in house uh, tech uh, you raised uh, another round of funding recently uh, tell us about what are your next big uh, plans both in terms of your operations and in terms of building your technology 
I think you already touched on a few things. One is public sector. So we have already started working with few governments and the goal is to keep going more and more over there and doing a lot more with public sector uh, because they are the largest employers in the world. Second is, I mean, AI is still in its infancy. A lot more has to happen over here. So building people models, building ritual models, and solving the entire life cycle of the talent versus only a portion of that is a big focus area. And third is investment in the go-to market. We are selling it across the globe and making sure people are able to get the value. So those are the three main focus areas for us. Hmm. Uh, shifting gears again a little bit, uh, our audience is also quite keen on learning more about your entrepreneurial journey, your personal entrepreneurial journey. Tell us a bit about what motivated you to become an entrepreneur. When you did serious academic research, you worked at IBM, Google. What, what got you to start a business? Uh, I think for roughly the first until I was like in my late 20s, right? It was all focused on academics, learning, ga- uh, gaining the foundation, right? And at some point, you need to switch gears and where you start giving back to the society versus keep learning, learning. Uh, and the key thing about being an entrepreneur is that you, on one hand, have the freedom to do, to follow your dreams. On the other hand, buck stops at you. You have the full accountability of what you are doing, which is both scary and exciting stuff, right? I was like, I can't go be sitting at Google or another company and say that, yeah, I should be changing the world, but I'm not doing much. I can't do much. I can't convince my boss or this. I can't do this other thing, right? Company has their own priorities. So doing this entrepreneurial journey gave me the freedom to pursue my dream, which was let's do something fundamental for our society. And so that is what I progressed in. Hmm. Uh, in the context of being a, a very technology uh, oriented entrepreneur and tech of course today obviously changes uh, billions of lives uh, what are some of the important takeaways that you can give as advice to other young entrepreneurs from your career i think the most important i would say is that tech is an asset not a burden like when i was starting the first thing was that oh you're a technologist everyone would use to label me as that very common sometimes is oh you're a geek you're a nerd and we try to run away from that, right? Versus, no, yeah, sure, I'm a geek, I'm a nerd, I'm a technologist, right? And I'm proud of that. And that's why I can solve your problem. And in fact, I'm not a salesperson. I'm a techie, I know how to solve it, right? So you can actually use it to your advantage to build trust with the buyer. Second is, it helps you think about solutions in a lot more scalable fashion. So versus just being a consulting or a services thing, right? Because I'm a technologist, I can think end to one. So when I'm thinking of the product, I also understand the technology. Or when I'm talking to a customer, I also understand the business implication, but also more importantly, the technology implication, right? So being a tech person actually has been a huge positive advantage. And one thing that I'm seeing more and more is that most large successful startups, at least in Silicon Valley, are the ones that are started by the technologist. Engineer converted into a business model. One more question. On, on running a business and then I have a few rapid fire questions for you. Uh, going from, going from uh, the founder of a startup with some very exciting technology to today uh, the CEO of uh, a large organization. Uh, you're struggling running a business and also building technology. What are some of the things that young entrepreneurs should keep in mind, should learn? I think building a mind where uh, where you're constantly trying to learn things. And also equally important is unlearn things. 
See, what worked four years back for me won't work today. I now have to manage through people. I have to get the work done through people versus myself. And once you realize and accept that things are going to change, then what you can do is constantly unlearn and seek out learning from other people who have done this multiple times. So I have my own group of mentors that I'm constantly reaching out to, getting advice from them, brainstorming from them, and at the same time, being comfortable with the change that I'm going through. Mm-hmm. Is it too early to talk about uh, things like uh, an IPO or uh, for? I think in few years, most likely we will go high public. But frankly, these days, IPO has a little bit lost its meaning. The private markets are as powerful, if not more powerful than the public markets. <laughs> uh, so access to capital is there, access to liquidity is there, right? Uh, so keep building, keep working towards the mission. And those are some milestones on the way that will come and go. Okay, a few uh, rapid fire questions. Uh, first one is, uh, tell us about one thing in your career that isn't there on your official resume. Well, numerous failed startups that have tried to per- do and which never went anywhere. So they're not on my resume, but yes, I've tried a number of those. Okay. Professionally, name one person who has left a deep impression on you in life. Uh, one is Sanjay Nayak. He was my first hiring manager at Viewlogic, who is currently the CEO of Tejas Networks. His first advice to me was that, Ashu, if you keep doing the work that I've hired you for, then I have no reason to promote you, grow you. If you want growth in your career, start already working at that level and do other things will follow. So that was one advice from him that had a big, deep impact. My advisor, Thomas Huang, he was like, at some level, stop questioning first two things and then figure it out. So building a mindset of learning, self-learning has been a huge impactful thing. My thing is from each person, try to learn a few things and apply them to your career. Uh, one book that you keep returning to? Uh, Actually, one is Art of War by Shunzu, and second is Arthashastra by Chanakya. Mm-hmm. Any one important thing that you learned from this that made an impact for you? I think especially on the Art of War, uh, and this was also quoted by Donald Rumsfeld, is when US went for war into Iraq, someone asked them that why did it take so much army when you're going and fighting in a small country? And his response was, if I could have taken 10x more, I would have done that. The point is, when you're going and doing something, you are doing it to make it happen. So quite a few times, as an example, right? people say that I'm doing a startup, can I do it part-time? I am planning to do a PhD, can I do it part-time? If you're doing it, you go all in and you make it happen. No compromises, no ifs and buts, no trying to hedge your bets, none of that stuff. You go in to win and you get out. Okay. What does uh, money mean to you? Money is something that gives me freedom to pursue my dreams. And money is a big enabler for certain. Mm. Uh, one important day, one important thing that you never start your day without could be an activity, a habit, a beverage even. Well, recently, chai and parleji. Excellent. Here in the Bay Area, chai and parleji. Tell us about your uh, favorite hack to get yourself out of a funk. Favorite hack to get outside of a funk. Hmm. So what do you mean by that? Uh, if you're feeling low at any point, uh, is there a favorite way in which you get out of it? Actually, so I'm a Vipassana meditator. 
so meditation helps me a lot to get out of last uh, rapid fire question uh, one city that you would love to live in i love where i'm living right now hmm. actually i just one advice to the founders as you were saying early on and whether it's city or roy i just believe in enjoying what i'm doing and be excited about what i am hmm. so i have lived in tens of cities and each of those cities have been fun because every city has something to offer you so instead of keep chasing and being like i wish i'm in sydney or in delhi or wherever right every time wherever i have been i've just enjoyed it whatever i have done i've just enjoyed it i'm like yes this is the best work i'm doing today because that's the one i've chosen and i'm excited about it. excellent wow that was fantastic wonderful conversation after thank you again for making time to spend with us tonight with you so really appreciate it and hope to conversation with you perfect thanks sir so that was Ashutosh Kaur the founder and CEO of feedforward.ai the amazing work with his talent and process platform that's it for this week's Startup Friday's conversation I will be back next week with another entrepreneur and also in the field of AI by the way until then wherever you are I hope you are staying safe and doing well. Have a great Friday and a wonderful weekend ahead.